so right now with the combined data set, we've got a coverage on every major business or every private business in the United States. And as I mentioned, there's about 30 million of them. And so we have information on every of those businesses in the US. And we currently are able to provide insights into about almost $4 trillion worth of capital. Welcome to the Tearsheet Podcast. I'm Zach Miller. Earlier in 2019, Equifax acquired Paynet, a company that provides commercial credit risk underwriting to online and alternative finance lenders. Bill Phelan is the co-founder of Paynet and is now the Senior Vice President and General Manager of Equifax's Commercial Solutions Group. The combined entity now covers about 30 million U.S. private businesses and about $4 trillion worth of capital. Bill joins us on the podcast to talk about the intended synergies of bringing together Equifax's data with Paynet's. We then discuss what's driving the growth in non-bank lenders targeting SMBs and how small banks are investing in tech to take share back. We also cover some of the nuances of digital lending, like how it's more inclusive for minorities, women, and rural borrowers. Bill Feinlin is my guest today on the Tearsheet Podcast. Before we continue with our program, I'd like to thank our sponsor, MX, for supporting Tearsheet's work. MX is the leading data platform for banks, credit unions, and fintechs, enabling its clients and partners to easily collect, enhance, analyze, present, and act on financial data. Hi, Zach. Good morning. My name is Bill Phelan. I'm the Senior Vice President and General Manager for uh, Equifax Commercial Solutions. And the Equifax Commercial Solutions is the commercial credit information and marketing information services provided by Equifax to U.S. financial institutions. And we also serve uh, telecom companies and banks in the United States. We have a global business that's commercial as well. Um, I'm focused initially after the merger with Paynet on the U.S. business. So let's talk about Paynet before we jump into the Equifax story. Um, obviously, there's a story there. Can you share that with us? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Zach, what I found in 2000, it seems like a, you know, uh, eons ago, was that the commercial credit market didn't work very well in the U.S., and you know what's interesting is that anywhere you look at commercial credit in kind of even history, um, we find that commercial credit is associated with wealth. It, there is this kind of relationship between access to capital and the creation of wealth. And you know, I mean, just look at history. You know, you've got the Medici. Excuse me, the Medici family was the banker to the Pope. You know, they were able to. Um, you know, fund the, you know, some of the great families and some of the, uh, the uh, Roman Catholic Church in the 14 and 1500s. Then you had the Bank of England come along after that, and they were another form of credit and capital that helped, you know, the sun never sets on the, on the, uh, on the English empire. And from there, now we've got the rise of American power through really the capital markets and credit. So credit's always been associated with, with wealth and power. And what we have and what I found back in 2000 is that the uh, access to capital for, you know, half of the U.S. economy was, was really didn't work too well. And um, it was the access to capital for private companies. There's, you know, farmers and doctors and small trucking companies and printing companies and metal vendors and uh, all kinds of businesses, and they really struggle and still do with access to capital. And so I founded Paynet to fix that issue. Um, we built Paynet up to be one of the largest credit databases in the country. Uh, we covered 24 million businesses, and we 
rated the credit on about uh, almost $2 trillion worth of their, their uh, debt outstanding. And that was particularly valuable because it really would help the uh, lenders grant capital to small business. You know, if you're an investor and you don't understand what you're getting into, it's going to be hard for you to make a loan. Whereas if you have the pay net information, you could make that loan faster and you can make it with um, a lot more confidence. And so Paynet was founded on that basis, and I ran the business all the way up until 2019 when we merged with Equifax, and uh, now I'm in my current role. And, and what, what does the combined entity look like now, now that Equ- Paynet has, has joined the, the Equifax family? Um, how has that, I guess, impacted the product or the, or the coverage set? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and that was really the impetus for this combination because, you know, at the time, you know, Paynet was doing really well as a kind of private company. We were growing nicely and we uh, had good partnerships and, you know, a growing, expanding client base. And we did start to partner with Equifax. And what we found was that one plus one equals three with the database. And what I mean by that is that when we looked at the Paynet data, we found that there was a lot of information, like I said, of almost $2 trillion of information on kind of term loans and, you know, a, a business's, you know, mortgage loan and things like that. But what we found when we looked at the Equifax database was that there was about uh, $1.6 trillion in short-term loans, loans for credit cards, loans for phone bills, loans for, you know, light bills, things like that. So there really wasn't that great of an overlap, which, you know, sounds um, like it might not be a good thing, but it really was a very good thing when we found that the combination of the two databases provided a a better picture on these privately held businesses. And um, so right now with the combined data set, we've got a coverage on every major business or every private business in the United States. And as I mentioned, there's about 30 million of them. And so we have information on every of those businesses in the US. And we currently are able to provide insights into about almost $4 trillion worth of capital at this point. And so we don't have everything, but we've got a really big part of it. And it really is the digital asset is really the kind of crown jewel of this combination because what it does is and what we're finding from clients is that it makes their lives easier. 91% of mobile banking users prefer using their app over going to a physical bank branch. But it's no longer enough just to offer an app. Customers expect, demand, a really good experience. That's where MX comes in. Its new mobile app, Helios, helps banks and credit unions stand out in today's world of mobile banking, going beyond simple transactions and account management. Does your mobile app get thousands of five-star reviews? Does it increase your engagement and lead to higher brand loyalty and ROI? Check out Helios by MX at MX, that's the letters M and X, dot com. And given that expanded um, coverage, does that mean, is it the same customers now, your same clients buying more data or getting access to more data, or does this also open you up to, to different types of lenders? Yeah, it's a really good question. And what we find is that the um, it's, the current customers can benefit by not having to go through separate vendor management, right? I mean, the vendor management process for a bank or a telco or a utility in vendor management, just for the audience's sake, it means, you know, signing up a supplier. So making Paynet a supplier or making Equifax a supplier 
can be a really drawn out process and it could take months to go through that process. And so by co combining the status together and combining these entities together, we can get that process done faster and just do one vendor management instead of two. And so our customers have found that to be a benefit, number one. But more importantly, what we find is that the hit rates uh, when, the, when the customers search our database are actually go up. And the hit rates have gone up by anywhere from 4 to 8%. And what that means is that when they search the database, they get a higher chance of getting finding what they're looking for. And it's, in some cases, 8% higher, which is a big number. It's a lot of more hits and a lot more ease of access to information. And then the final thing that we found is that I mentioned the kind of the data sources and the types of data, and you know we get really geeky about this and pretty wonky about types of data, but putting together that short-term debt with that long-term debt creates a comprehensive view of the data of the customer, of the uh, borrower, and that results in a better view into the credit profile or into the um, you know the the capacity of the of the small business, and so you know when we let's just take a, a farmer when we know you know what they spend and, and and have to buy for seed, and we know that they have a new grain silo, and we know that they've just bought a combine, and we know that all that stuff is combined into one view of the business, then it makes it much easier and more predictable to give that next loan to the farmer, and so it just makes life easier. Again, and so there, we found is just the higher hit rate, the, the higher um, combination of information makes just the process of granting credit so much easier, and it lowers the cost for our customers, and that's usually like a 15 to 20 percent financial benefit for them. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I, I just want to you know shift gears a little bit now. Um, you know, it, it took a while, but we're, we're starting to see like, you know, a big ramp in the number of non-bank lenders targeting SMBs. Um, can you talk about sort of what's what's behind that trend? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a part of the problem that I set out to solve when I started paying it. And part of the march we're on and the mission we're on to combine with Equifax, because what we find is that, you know, it's a at best, a 45-day process to get a loan from a bank if you're a small business. And so let's just go through that process. You know, you've got to, you know, meet with the banker, and then you've got to present really a comprehensive set of financial statements. So you'll have to give maybe five years of your financial statements. That's a, a profit and loss statement, a balance sheet, and a cash flow statement for five years. And then you'll have to present your tax returns as well. And then the banker might even ask you for things like a business plan, or they might ask you for things like accounts receivable details or accounts payable details or inventory um, uh, audits. And all that results in mounds of paperwork. And so there's a mound of paperwork that the small business has to go through. And, and that's why it takes 45 days, you know, and, what we find is that that's a really expensive process for the bank, and it's a really expensive process for the business owner, because the business owner really just might have a, a project imminent and a project that needs to get capital today, but they have to wait 45 days to get that capital. If the, and then there's the uncertainty over that 45 days for the business owner 
like my buddy runs a uh, kitchen design and, re- and remodeling shop in Chicago, and uh, he just found a new cabinet supplier. And this cabinet supplier can lower the cost of the cabinets that he supplies to his end customers, but it can also um, result in a lower, um, um, a higher quality of a product because he found a new source out of Pennsylvania. But he needs capital. He needs to go get $150,000 to, you know, put those cabinets in his showroom and show people what he's got. And so if that process takes 45 or 60 days or if he gets denied, he can't put that stuff into his showroom and put those new cabinets in. He's got a great store right on a high, a well-traveled street in the, the northern suburbs of Chicago. And so he's really well-placed, but he just can't get those cabinets in there to show every, the world what he's got, you know? And so um, what he could do is go to a FinTech and yeah, he's going to pay more, but he's also going to be able to get his, uh, his cabinets in the store faster. And that might result in more sales for him. And it might result in getting business done faster for him and lowering his costs in the long run. And so we're finding that the speed of access to capital is an important piece of success formula for small business. And we're also finding that the mounds of paperwork is something that they just don't have the appetite for. And so these are things that are making life easier for businesses. Um, It's not a perfect system yet. Nothing is. But it certainly is a step in the right direction to fixing the uh, broken credit market for small business. So you have these non-bank lenders that stepped in to to fulfill that that opportunity there. Well, how are um, like smaller existing banks like kind of how are they competing against that? Yeah, and that's a great point because um, what we're finding is that the banks are waking up to the fact that this is uh, the small business Main Street America is kind of the core market, and so we're finding that banks are um, looking at new technology now and they're finding ways. So for example, one thing that we're doing in some new technology that we just invested in is the financial statement collection. I went through that whole process of collecting five years of profit and loss statements and balance sheets and whatnot. Well, what we found is that the technology today exists to, and tech is really the game changer here because that can change fundamentally this, this credit problem. And we can actually pull the financial statements now electronically from the business owner. And so that it could be a really simple process that can take something that might take weeks and we can literally get it done in 24 hours. And so there's this new software available and the community banks are starting to use that software to digitize the financial statements up front instead of having to get paper-based statements and then type them into a database. And so this is uh, one way that the community banks are, are um, kind of leveling the playing field and, and be able to bring tech into their own, own shops. So, so you mentioned, Bill, in, in, in some of your explanations, you know, that you, in, in your examples you gave, like, you know, a, a farmer borrower um, or a small business owner in inner city, like, is digital lending um, actually more inclusive for minorities, women, and rural borrowers? What's, what's really interesting about it is that, you know, in digital lending, you, you can go online and you can fill out um, an application online. And it usually only takes about six or eight data points to apply. So you can go into an online system and you can type in name, address, phone number, and then from there, the system can now access data sources. And so, like, with, you know, with PayNet, what we do is we link into 
these electronic application systems. And so these, when the application is filled out, and it's only six or eight data elements that are filled out, the system will automatically call out to PayNet through the computer and pull that data back in. And what we found is that that's one example where, you know, the computer's blind, right? The computer doesn't know who's asking the questions or anything. It's just going out and getting data and returning it. And so you can get more of an empirical look at the credit that way. Um, another way that really works well, and what we found recently was that the um, access to capital in low-income areas um, for uh, businesses is really is really um, limited in certain ways by the by the the fact that um, there just isn't kind of capabilities there to serve that market. And so, if you put capabilities and again technology and software and uh, data and analytics together, you could serve the rural market even from a place a metropolitan area like New York, for example, through digital means and digital systems. Um, and then the same thing with rural and low income um, are, can both be served that way. And so again, the computers are agnostic. They just really wanna you know, do their job and go out and call out for information and bring it back and assemble the credit file quickly. And then um, it can even get to the point where the computers can actually um, serve up a, 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 a profile of the business for you. And that profile could, you know, give you a sense for things like, you know, cash flow and debt service coverage ratio and some of the classic credit ratios that you use when you're assessing credit. So, Bill, we have time for one last question. I have a question for you. You've been building PayNet for all this time, sold to, to Equifax, and you're running this, this commercial group now. What, what are your biggest priorities for the rest of 2019 going into 2020? Yeah, um, and the merger with Equifax has been really interesting because what we found is that the, um, you know, yes, um, Equifax purchased PayNet, but the reality is PayNet is running the Equifax commercial business. And so it's a reverse merger in some sorts. And what we found is that, that um, what's interesting about that is the, the PayNet operating system for, you know, uh, evangelizing access to capital, number one. Number two, um, uh, using thought leadership to help people understand the importance of access to capital for Main Street America. Uh, number three, solving the most thorny business issues of our customers. And these are uh, banks, these are fintech lenders, commercial finance lenders, and then these are also now telecom companies. And you know, every small business needs needs a, a, a phone, right? And so having access to the a great communication systems is a great way to enable business to get done. And so we're helping in that way as well. And then um, the other is um, utility markets. And so there's all these broader markets now that we can serve as a much larger database and a much larger footprint. And um, the Equifax brand is great. Everybody knows us. And um, I think what's, you know, Paynet was kind of the best story that nobody ever heard about. But now we've got the innovation of Paynet. We've got the entrepreneurship of Paynet, along with the capital and the brand of Equifax. And, that's a, and, and so we've got, a, I think, a great formula for fundamentally changing how capital is accessed for Main Street. Well, thanks for joining us on the Tearsheet Podcast today. Oh, thank you, Zach, for having me.